0: Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's an Omni content creator and the host of the Polymath Polycast. It's Dustin Miller, poly innovator. How are you doing today, Dustin? I'm doing well. you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about your Rise to the Challenge. First thing we like to do with all of our guests, talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up?
1: Well, and I'm from the Midwest of the Midwest. So basically central Missouri of the, which is in the dead center of the U.S. already and as we were talking about before to show this Missouri is one of those places too that's very close to each other basically all these different cities and being in this landlocked state it's interesting how many cultures you get to be around and I grew up around tons of Spanish speakers my stepdad's Mexican my mom speaks Spanish and then I've always been interested in languages so I've always had a multicultural experience and I've always loved like global cultures. And I think that helped me understand a lot about other people and how the world works in a way. And I've also been very interested in business. So I remember telling uh, this story before where literally when I was eight or nine, I would ask my mom or grandma for office supplies for my birthday. And that was because I wanted to be a businessman. (laughs) (laughs) And then even having my own business when I was 10 selling temporary tattoos. So I always had that kind of
0: acumen. So when you were growing up, was there any businesses that caught your eye that made you want to do business in the future? Or it was just a time and phase where you're like, this sounds interesting for me? It
1: was never really a phase because I've always kept it. And so it was interesting how as I got a little bit older, instead of being a businessman, I wanted to be a CEO. And I think I was appealing to that kind of uh, power to change things. Not, I wasn't like Bloodthirsty for power, superpowers and like that. I was just wanting to make a change in the world. And I thought that being a CEO was a great way to do it, especially since we live in a capitalist society. It's kind, of, it's kind of wise for someone so young. And I remember looking at Microsoft, it's like, I can run that company. And eventually I ended up saying this kind of little slogan where I wanted to be a CEO of an international company driven to innovate technology and ideology. And that was the words coming out of a teenager's mouth.
0: I don't think I've ever thought about those words growing up or anything. <laughs> yeah. Growing up, as we both were growing up in Missouri, and we're in a state where there's a lot of different cultures. What's something memorable with the cultures you were learning about that you kind of thought, this is something that I want to put in my life?
1: Memorable. A lot of the time food. <laughs> I love food. But um, it's interesting because I, I remember growing up being a little bit picky. And now that I'm older, and, well, I guess you could say slightly wiser, I wanted to, I wish I could go back and try more things. And I think that being open to those new challenges and new things, greatly expands your palate and your horizons. And so when I was growing up, I remember listening to music of different cultures, learning different languages through the music. Or even when I was 13, my mom showed me my first Bollywood movie. And I started watching that from then on. And just kind of going out of my comfort zone, so to speak.
0: Going out of your comfort zone, is that something you do nowadays where you try to look back when you said you didn't try that different things, but now you're able to say, I'm going to go after anything, try it. I just want to experience anything that I can. I think
1: I, I, even though I was picky, I think I was still decently open-minded. So even though I was picky, with like food. I was always open-minded about music and culture and different people. And so, and I think the reason why I was just picky about food is just because there was a few things I didn't like, like beans and rice, and i was called just <laughs> called it a day. But like, I think beyond that, my palate expanded. I say your taste buds change every seven years anyways, too. And so I think just the food was the only limitation. Other than that, I was pretty experimental for the most parts. And as I got older, it just got more so.
0: Did you have any motivations, inspirations growing up? Anyone that you looked up to?
1: Yeah, like I said, the motivations were kind of being a businessman. And so a lot of my decisions were based around that. I remember even taking a keyboarding class in middle school because I knew it was going to come in handy. Mind you, this is like 2007, and I was probably only like 11 or 12 at that point. But um, it's interesting how those decisions that I took for electives or courses in high school really ended up changing how I viewed technology and did things like that. I remember building my first computer around that time as well. And so when it came to other aspects of life, I had a mentor growing up, a late mentor. His name was Tony, and he was part of the Big Brothers Big Sisters program, and I was his little brother. And I remember growing up, looking up to him, he was teaching me things and trying to make me more philosophical too as well
0: with that mentor, was that something that you were looking at that time or was it more of the opportunity and you were gonna take it?
1: It kind of just happened. I remember being part of a little community center and I think I ran into him through there. I think he might've been a volunteering there Then he was also part of Big Brothers Big Sisters. And so since we clicked at that center, we ended up kind of moving past that becoming became a more mentee
0: mentor. Growing up, what's the biggest thing you learned about yourself?
1: hmm (laughs) non-conformist
0: do you want to explain that yeah
1: so i guess you could say that i just never really liked conforming to the social rules or something like that and i'm not saying that i was awesome or badass but could could possibly be that way I think that what happened was, like a good example is when I was in high school. I ended up going to summer school to get extra hours, extra credits, those years to catch up for certain things. And both the schools I went to, because there was two big ones at the time in town, both of which I had gone to summer school the year before I had gone to that school. So I had never been to that location before. And I was always the curious and inquisitive type. So I ended up exploring the school, even though half of it was blocked off. And so I was breaking the rules to get back in there. But all I wanted to do was explore. I wasn't breaking in into anything or something like that. But I was not conforming to those, like, hey, those barriers right there. Go a little bit past that and just see. I remember one of my teachers who was actually very wise so i guess you could say he caught me one day stumbling around the hallways going to places I probably shouldn't be and he's like what are you doing back there i'm like oh just exploring and i think he saw that and he's like okay just don't let me catch you again something like that it's kind of cool
0: was that kind of like a rebellious mindset or you were kind of just trying to challenge like the people around you to see how far you can take it
1: I think it was neither. I just wanted to do something. I wanted to explore because I was curious about the, just the, I don't know, the geography of the school or the layout of the school and the geography, <laughs> the this, this architecture and layout is how things were. And so it wasn't really rebellious per se. I just did a rebellious thing because of my wants and desires.
0: So you mentioned earlier that growing up, you were asking your parents for office supplies, and you kind of had that business mentality. What was that dream job that you were pursuing as you got older?
1: As I got older, I think this, that CEO of an international company was a big deal, and that's something that still drives me even to this day in some way, shape, or form. Like I said, I looked at Microsoft and I was like, I want to run that company because I, I also felt kind of screwed over by Microsoft at some point, always being like an Xbox fanboy as well. And so I was like, okay, there's decisions that are being made. I had Windows Phone, all three iterations of Windows Phone, no less. And that obviously did not, it went by the wayside. And so I was a bit angry about how the business was run. I was like, I can do something different with that. So I can do something more. And, and I know that that was one thing that motivated me, but also too, just certain companies that were very innovative or working on the bleeding edge of tech That's always just fascinated me.
0: What were you pursuing in college or what was that next direction that you were taking?
1: So I did do a stint in college, but after I had already started a self-education endeavor. So I actually didn't go to college. I don't really count that one year I went uh, because in actuality, I looked at colleges all around the world over a a couple hundred universities even to try to find a degree that suited me. And the ideal career path for me was a multifaceted career. And that's kind of what led to my brand as well because I wanted to create my own careers. I wanted to do multiple things in life. I didn't want to limit myself to just one thing but one of the biggest things I wanted to work in was smart city development and starting to create these futuristic cities. You need kind of a project manager mentality, you need to understand internet of things and technology. And so I needed something that was both like business acumen, but also technology. So I was looking around for smart city degrees or anything close to it, and I couldn't find anything. So I decided just to build my own. So this do-it-yourself degree, or as I call it now, modular degree, became the forefront of what I started documenting my journey with for Poly Innovator, which is my personal brand. And that documentation process, which I got from Gary V of all people, he talks about documenting your journey, doing that kind of thing. But I soon realized that this cool, unique idea was something that other people can use as well and copy and do their own thing. So I started focusing more on service rather than talking about my own.
0: When you, you talked about like Smart City and like futuristics a lot of times now, movies and games, they kind of bring that futuristic aspect in a time period where you would never have thought about that at that time. Um, Were you getting inspirations and kind of using those as ideas that you were wanting to pursue as a career path?
1: Yeah, I think I was always kind of just odd by them. And I was wondering why they didn't exist. I think that's kind of the same mentality that <laughs> Bezos and Musk has as well. Like, why aren't we multiplanetary sp- species? Well, let's, let's change that. And so, and I'm not necessarily on the same level as them, but I do think that the mentality was same, where why isn't this a thing? Well, then let's figure out why and see what we can do about it. And I remember there was a game that actually did pretty poorly, like financially wise, it's called Brink, where they had a very futuristic oceanic seastead that was like a smart city on the, on the ocean that was kind of like a haven for people. But then they ended up being too r- rule-centric and they had rebellious people around them. But it was interesting how the city was portrayed. And I remember seeing like Star Trek and the, the futuristic United Nations. I just finished the series, uh, The Expanse, which talks about the Earth United Nations also just being a multi-planet species in the solar system. Sort of like on Mars and Earth and the outer ring. It's just interesting stuff. And it's just, we need In order to get to those places and those kind of things we need the steps to be taken now.
0: When you tell people during that time about what you wanted to do was it hard for people to understand what you were going for and how were you able to take it in a different way that people would understand what your vision was?
1: I don't think I just ever really acknowledged what I wanted to do to some people. Some people just didn't want to understand it or If I try to explain it, it's kind of say it's unfeasible or something like that. And a lot of ambitious goals are like that. But I think if you want to get things done like that, I don't remember where I saw this, but there was a quote that said, if you want something to happen, don't tell other people about your plan. Or if you want the plan to succeed, don't tell people about it. And I think it's the kind of mentality I kept. So I don't talk about it till now recently where I was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to follow the traditional path, I'll create my own. Now I can talk about it because now I'm paving the way, so
0: to speak. I think you brought up a good point where people will tell plans and stuff. And I think that now times a lot of people like to throw those negative um, thoughts in people's mm-hmm. minds and kind of give people that self doubt in a way where it kind of changed their mind. Like, can I actually do this in a way? And we're not able to rise to the challenge and accomplish all the goals that we want. And I think that's kind of what you were doing where, you knew what you wanted to do and you weren't going to let people stop you. And that's why you're kind of keep it hidden, not hidden, but like to yourself because you wanted to maybe surprise people and show, look at what I was able to accomplish in a way.
1: Yeah, I like your analysis there. I think it was right on point, Alex. It's one of those things too, where since it is not something that's been done before, so to speak, at least in real life, (laughs) it has been in movies and games there was a certain level of like expectation that people have like, oh, why isn't it this level just yet? And on top of that too, since I didn't go to college, they are gonna assume that I'm not educated or not well suited for this kind of thing. But I do think that the power of self-education is very monumental and we can do a lot with it. And some of the most successful people in the world, people listening to this podcast, no less probably, the people who are able to rise to that challenge and do new things, I think are the ones that are self-educated like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates and that kind of thing.
0: I think education, I think even for someone that didn't go to college, you probably learned your education in a different area, maybe street smarts in a way, actually putting yourself in situations and learning from real-world experience. And I always viewed as real-world experience is the best way to learn. I can't even tell you what I read in a textbook, even though I have a college degree. And some of the stuff I've learned, I don't even remember what I did. And I think when I got into... Of marketing and events and stuff. That was where I was testing myself. What was something that you challenged yourself in the field that you were going into or with the projects that you were taking on?
1: Well, I realized right away marketing is a very important aspect. And when I started doing content creation, such as blogging back when I was a teenager, this was back in like 2011, 2012, I started a blog wasn't the greatest block and it wasn't, and this was before Innovator. this was a different endeavor that I had done, uh, which we can get into as well. But it was interesting how I realized even back then, back in 2012, that I needed to do social media marketing and how do I get this word out? How do I do email stuff? And I didn't necessarily get super knowledgeable on the details, the deep knowledge, but I got a wide width of what I needed to know. Okay, I need to know audio, video and written as well as email and social media and how do these platforms work? and even though i wasn't super educated on it back then it gave me the high level understanding so that when i got to the point where i could do those things which i started doing over these past few years more and more i was able to get a bigger picture understanding like okay i can take this piece and turn it into this and have this be shared this way and that's what came of the that's what became the omni content where i realized that the best way to create content is to try to maximize what you can do as one person and if you have a team great but if you have to do it just by yourself which I'm sure you know how it feels as well being a solopreneur that, that kind of by yourself mentality is something that's hard and I always try to take the polymathic approach to things and so this omnicontent idea came from I start with a blog post because that's what I was good at first I start with the writing some people start with a video but I like the writing I make the blog post as best I can SEO optimize if I can that kind of thing And I take the big points and make it into a slide deck. That slide deck becomes a visual then for me to talk on a little talking head like we're talking here over the slideshow, make a video, and those videos are formatted in a way that I can cut out the audio make it into a polycast. So you get four different kinds of content pieces from one basically episode or sprint of content. And I think that's a great way to content repurpose what you're doing, repurpose your content, I guess you could say, and that way... You can maximize what one thing can do, and then you have automation and other factors involved as well.
0: When you were creating the blog, what kind of content were you writing about?
1: So the blog originally was called the United Living Construct, which I, this is already a mouthful there, too. The, United, the ULC was meant to be a hub of innovation or a hub of innovators, and the slogan I used was world unity through self-development. this kind of takes like this was created based off that slogan i made as a teenager that pitch i want to be ceo of an international company driven to innovate technology and ideology well in order to do that you have to innovate the ideology of the people that you're talking to and build them up if you want to create smart cities or make global change you can't do it on the big scale you have to start from the bottom and work your way up and i realized I can't just tell people to change this way or become this way. I have to show them why it's important and how to do it and then what it is and what the point is. And that's what the self-development ed- self and self-education aspects came into play. Because once you can teach yourself, understand more, kind of elevate your own consciousness in a way, then you could rise up to the bigger challenges as well.
0: When you are learning new those skills with SEO, all that automation, marketing stuff, Did your confidence get bigger and bigger where you're like, wow, look what I'm able to do as Hmm. from where you started to now where you are?
1: Yeah, I I know a lot of people face imposter syndrome when it comes to like being a content creator because they're like, oh, I'm not as good as Casey Neistat or something like that. But I don't really compare myself to too many other people when it comes to content creators. And if I do, I know that they're farther ahead of me, so I don't have to be as good as them. And so I don't really have the imposter syndrome as much as some people do, but I do have the kind of mentality of like, hey, I've gone really far. I need to keep working harder. Just for example, too, I set a goal that was really overly ambitious because the content that I mentioned earlier, the Omni Content series, it's something that was made because Gary Vee, put out a keynote last year that still stuck with me. I was literally watching a clip of it earlier today, again, where he said, you need to be creating hundred pieces of content a day. And that's an insane amount. And it's an insane kind of philosophy to have about it, but he has a point. And if you can do that, you can reach more people, contextualize it for different cultures and different places around the world. I know that Gary Vee, Neil Patel, some of these great content creators are actually translating their content, their blog posts and their videos, even getting it dubbed and putting it in Brazil or in China or or like other or other places in Asia too. And it's fascinating how they're doing that and they're contextualizing their content to those places. So you don't have to necessarily make 100 separate pieces, just repurpose them in different ways. And so I told myself, I'm gonna make one Omni content, which is that whole sprint of stuff every single day this entire year. And at this point I've made five, but it's funny how that goal is overly ambitious, but it, I have learned from it. And I was able to modify my strategy pretty quickly because I actually experimented and tried it out.
0: So when you were starting that blog, after the blog, what were you wanting to accomplish next? What was that next career path that you were taking?
1: Hmm. that's funny, I, I got on a tangent there. The blog, I realized that in order for it to succeed, especially if it's company, I would have to make money or sell something or become a capitalistic in a way. But I just wanted to share knowledge. I just wanted to, I wasn't doing it for the money. I know that money is a transfer of knowledge or not knowledge. It's a transfer of abilities, basically. It's like IOU. And if you can make more money, you can do more IOUs and do more in the world. This is how our capitalistic society works, global society. But I didn't have anything to offer. And I realized, too, that I wasn't good enough yet. I was like 17, 18, when I was really kind of working on this the most. And even actually a little bit older too I think 19 or 20 because I ended up doing a little bit more as I got older too I remade really it and I realized that okay if I'm not offering anything if I'm not good enough yet which is what inspired me to look for a degree and create my own because I was like I need to improve I need to do more and become the person that could lead that company well in order to build myself up I need to learn I need to also build my reputation so poly innovator came into existence to be that personal online presence
0: so, what were you wanting? What was the first thing you had to do to get starting that branding or the personal brand that you were creating?
1: I needed to create content, and so you got to be able to create stuff or document your stuff in order to put stuff out there. You know, this as a podcast host, where you're creating this content, you're interviewing people, you're learning from them, and you're getting built up at the same time. And the more content I've created, the more people I've interviewed on my own show as well, the more I've grown, and the more I realized. The faults and the weak points of what I'm talking about or what I'm doing. And so the modular degree has evolved so many different times on the back end because I was like, okay, I mentioned this, but someone said this. Okay, I need to change. And so the next thing was just try to expand what I was doing. Since I started with blogging, I was kind of shy on camera. I didn't know how I needed to look at the camera. I didn't know I needed to have body language and presence. And I also didn't like hearing my own voice. So even right now, hearing myself talk, I can hear part of it through the headphones. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of gross sounding i don't like the sound of that but as you do it more and more you get used to it some of the greatest creators like robert roberto blake talk about making 100 videos before you even worry about like quality at that point or like just just get the quantity out there because quality will come once you've learned so at that point it's just starting
0: did you ever have um and thought where you wanted to learn maybe by working for a company and get the experience there and then be able to do what you wanted on the side? Or was the whole goal to just be that entrepreneur that you wanted to be?
1: Well, for one, there wasn't really any company that I truly desired to work for,
0: which might be the entrepreneurial
1: mindset in me or something like that. But I looked around and I still look around because I still need to make income right now. I'm not currently generating income because of this, because I'm still working on the free stuff, the the more providing value aspect. But I started working two weeks before my 17th birthday as a lifeguard. And this goes into the whole polymathic mentality that I mentioned earlier as well, is that soon after I became a swim instructor, pool manager, water bus instructor, water boot camp instructor, movie joints instructor, uh, personal trainer, fitness attendant. Then I started working other jobs as well, so barista, escape room, game master, cashier, all kinds of different things. And so I've always generated income just by doing a day job and kind of going with the hustle and then doing this on the side already. So I kind of was, I wasn't necessarily learning the same skills, like you said, but I was doing other things.
0: What was that mentality like for you to be doing those other jobs? Did it teach you something about yourself? Did you learn something new? Or what was that challenge that you were going for?
1: I mean, even from a young age, when I was in middle school, I knew that I looked up to like Leonardo da Vinci, who was a polymath. He's like a true polymath, you could say. And I knew that I liked his kind of style of living, and I liked doing multiple different things. I didn't realize that I could possibly be that way per se, but I just wanted to try to involve myself in that kind of mentality. And then I just wanted to do more. It was curious, like, I want to do this job, see how it works. I remember being a lifeguard and just watching the other teachers teach. And I'm like, I would do that differently oh, that's not super important. I won't spend so much time on it if I was teaching. And, oh, that was really good. I need to take that idea or something like that. So I, I worked with some great teachers and eventually I got the opportunity. And I was like, okay, cool. And I started building on top of that and building my own reputation as a teacher and creating that kind of, like, what's the word? Kind of homey mentality where people were like happy to be there and happy to exercise. And the more I did, obviously I got overwhelmed at some points where I'm like working eight different jobs at once. But it was exhilarating. The challenge was awesome. And I felt that that was very rising to that challenge, so to speak.
0: Did you ever feel burnt out at all? Oh, by working yeah. All the yeah. Jobs?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and mind you, I've always worked like two or three jobs at a time, employers, I mean, and then work in multiple positions, positions beneath that. But there's been plenty of times like even right now I'm only working for one company. Granted this whole year has been weird for everybody. I think they can all understand that that's probably one of the biggest reasons why, but I always worked multiple jobs. I still teach two different kinds of positions like personal train, swimmer instructor, as well as water, aerobics, right now even. And I think that even though there was a divergent interest, and kind of spreading my interests a little too thin. And some sometimes I ended up being more engaged because of that, and I missed out on working like full time and getting benefits and getting more of income because of that. But I had much more time to work on Poly Innovator and United Electric <laughs> Construct. Okay, I, I don't know. That's a good point.
0: With those jobs, did you ever think about? when am I going to be able to stop working those jobs? Obviously you're in that starting stage, but have you ever had those future goals or that five-year plan planned out? Or are you one of those types of people where each day, I just want to think about that next day, not in a far enough advance?
1: Yes. So I even made a micro podcast about this recently, like a little micro episode, because it was like a little idea rant about micro and macro focus. You need to have both. And you can't just look at the big picture, but you also can't be too caught up in the details. If you get too caught up in the details, well, then you're going to start going down a path at some point that may not be as useful. You may need to do a small pivot that can make a big change down the line, butterfly effect, so to speak. But if you're too head in the clouds, which I certainly am most of the time, I do stick to more towards that floaty kind of mentality and just thinking big picture. But... When you start looking at that too much, then you don't actually get any progression. You're not engaged in that hustle, so to speak. So you have to have a bit of both, the dirt and the clouds all in one.
0: For someone that doesn't know about Omni content creating, if you had to talk about the topics that you talk about, what, how would you explain that to a listener?
1: Omni means all. And so I've always been told you need to niche down. And the polymathic mentality that I've kept completely goes against that. And ironically, eventually I realized that polymathy was my niche and From there, I could do like sub-niches, so smart cities or exercise or education as I'm doing right now. Those are kind of the phases that I'm going to be doing in the future. I kind of approach Poly Innovator in this phase-like structure. The Omni content just means all topics, basically. And also Omni channel, which is for Omni channel marketing, being on omnipresence on multiple platforms all at once. So if you go to Facebook, you're going to get kind of the same feeling and branding as you would on Twitter or in a store or something like that.
0: What has been a piece of content that you've talked about or done that is a proud moment for you?
1: Mm. I've created over 100 polycasts, and I've done over 180 blog posts, and I've done I don't know how many videos at this point, but none of them really stand out so much as a big hallmark, except for one where I created this manifesto where I go into, like, it's kind of an ego trip, so to speak. I just talk about what I want to do in the world. And I thought if I put it out there in the ether, someone might hear it. Someone might resonate with it and talk to me. And even though I didn't always want to share that stuff, and I try not to share it unless I'm, like, talking to someone like you where you're digging into that kind of thing, where I feel comfortable sharing that on this episode or something like that. But I was like, I don't usually talk about this kind of thing too much. I'll put that out there. That's one, epi- that's one thing I, I think about.
0: I think that's a great point also. As, as a lot of times with these episodes, people wonder, well, what's your challenge? What are you mm. talking about? And I always look at any episode that I do is, if I can relate something from oh. my experience to the guest, I always put that in there. I've had times where I'm, a, I'm actually a type one diabetic and I've had guests who are type one diabetic and you see us talking about it but I'm not a person that just poses things and just talks about that. It's kind of like in your situation, if someone's interested or they come for that kind of topic, that's when I feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And even when you're passionate, and I can see that you're passionate about the things that you do, people are gonna be drawn to that and they're gonna want to know even more about it. And that's what's great about the platforms with videos, audio, blogs, any Mm -hmm. of that. You're able to put that content everywhere and it can hit so many people in seconds.
1: Yeah. No, it's a good point, Alex, too, where you're able to reach a ton of people at once. And it was funny. I saw this TikTok the other day. It's like, if you could have a telepathic message to everyone in the world, what would you say? And it's an interesting, like thought experiment there. Because ironically, the first thing that comes to mind is like how can I be a marketer in this case? Like how can I use this channel of marketing? And I don't, Gary Vee often says, too, marketers ruin everything. And it's probably true. Like, what if we had that power? Well, then someone's going to find a way to ruin it because they're going to put ads on there or something like that. <laughs> I thought, I thought if, I, if, if I could message someone, everyone in the world, what would I say? And the biggest thing is just make a change and do something in your life that can be or pay it forward, something like that. The one hashtag that I've kept from both endeavors, the U- ULC and the Poly Innovator, was this hashtag make a change. Because so I do think that we all are capable in some shape or form to do something, even if it's just like make a change in someone near you. Like we live in decently sized cities, but they're not huge. They're not going to be reaching a ton of people in our town. What if there's this one person that you're just interacting with that you could make a big change in their life? Well, who knows? Just like that mentor that I had. He made a big change in my life, despite the fact that he moved a few years into my teenagehood, I think, and he moved like out of state. I mean, so we still kept in touch, but he was no longer highly prevalent in my life. But he spent those years with me and made a change in my life that's now affected me to this day.
0: You talked about hashtag make a, make a change. Have you had that kind of moment where you thought, maybe I want to mentor someone. I want to give back and give someone that, a little brother, or, or that organization, that opportunity to see how big of an impact it made in your life.
1: I mean, I'm a swim instructor, yeah, versus That's, trainer. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I've taught hundreds of people how to swim. I don't. I've lost track how many people I've taught over the years. Even if it was just for one session or for multiple sessions, I've taught them as best I could. And I had always went in with just being a high quality instructor in mind. Even when I felt like crap, it's almost like something clicks in my head and I get into the groove of things. And it's interesting how, if you can get things thought in systems, so I've always been a systematic thinker, it's becoming more natural for me, but for some people it's not. There's certain systems when it comes to like swimming or when it comes to exercise that if you learn those, and this goes for any skill, mind you, but exercise is a good basic example where if you could learn those systems, you can basically master that particular skill. You just have to learn the basics of the macro view and then apply it in the nitty gritty.
0: You talked about your show. Talk about what's the mission of it and what do you want listeners to learn from it?
1: So the Polymath Polycast is my show. It's my secondary series. The first series is the Omnicontent, and the Omnicontent is just something I wanted to play around with the actual ideas that I wanted to share with the world. However, with the Polycast, which includes Omnicontent episodes as well, is a multi-format show. I call it a Polycast instead of a podcast because poly means much or many in ancient Greek. It comes from the idea of being a polymath, someone with many learnings, and or much learning, I guess you could say as well. And so being able to talk about multiple topics and go into multiple different kinds of shows because I have the three to nine minute fireside micro polycast, the medium episodes like the only content and then the long form ones like the interviews, I'm able to do many different things and share many different ideas through those different kinds of formats. And a lot of people too will come in like, I don't want to spend 40 minutes, two hours or however long the interview is like, listen to this. I might love this person that he's interviewing, but I don't want to sit here for that long. Well, then you can do a short little episode and just kind of get an idea that way or be able to make a change with an idea. Like the people I have on, they're all amazing, different multidisciplinary people. And I want to show the world that you can't be multidisciplinary. You don't have to be a specialist to be successful. That's, I think, the message.
0: Do you think that's something that makes your show stand out is where mm-hmm. it's like the time and the different amount of topics that you talk about? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we're kind of touching on a lot of different points here, but the biggest thing was that I've always realized that we've been multidisciplinary people. Like, our brains just work in that way. Specialist is not super normal for humans. It is for insects, as David Epstein, the author of Brain says. He talks about specializations for insects, which is kind of a strong way of thinking about it. But there is a need for specialists in the world. But even the best specialists have a hobby. Even the best specialist, maybe it might have an extra job they had when they was a teenager. Like lifeguarding is going to be in my blood my entire life probably at this point. And teaching school lessons is as well. And so even if I do something else in the future, I'm still going to have those skills and that knowledge. And it may fade, it may kind of change a little bit, but for the most part, it's going to stay there. And so we've always been multidisciplinary throughout our lifespans. A lot of people think too small picture. (laughs) In that case, going back to the micro and macro, they're thinking, okay, I'm in this career right now. Well, guess what? You work for that company for 40 years, you're not going to stay in the same position that whole time. You're going to move up to middle management. You may even become CEO if you want, or maybe you'll move horizontally to a different position. No matter what position you're in, those are different skills. Those are different careers, many careers inside that big one. And so you're polymathic by nature. And a lot of people actually actively pursue it like myself or people I interview or Leonardo in da Vinci, we go out of our way to do that. But I think that a lot of people are more multidisciplinary than they realize. And that's the message I want to
0: share. I think if someone works at a company for 40 years and doesn't change their position, I'm, I'm going to be like, what, like, are you thinking that this is just normal? Like do you yeah. not challenge yourself? I would be like, um, where's my next challenge here? And that's just like the scale. And not even, even before I started the show, I was always someone that wanted to learn as much as I can. I wanted to challenge myself and test myself in a way. And I think people are realizing a lot of what I can offer and show them, wow, we didn't expect this. And I think the one thing is age comes with that. I think- Mm -hmm a lot of times my age is a factor and people think, oh, well, you're too young. You you can't do that. Well, let me go show you. Let me go prove you wrong. And I think this generation that we're in, we're in a generation of learning. And so we're always looking up on Google, what's the newest trends? What are the newest things to buy? We're always learning, even if it looks like we're on our phones 24 seven. But I think we're preparing ourselves to be ready for any situation that comes out there. And I think your show definitely does a great job because you're not specific on one thing, you're basically giving so much information to everyone that they're just gonna absorb that information and make them a better, well-rounded person.
1: Right, so Alex, what's the challenge that you're rising up to at the moment?
0: So my challenge is testing myself in a department that I don't have much experience in. Um, when you're changing jobs or when you're in that kind of field in a way, you kind mm-hmm. of are like, what's next? Like, yeah. I've never done like this part. Um, but when I got the new job, I'm like, okay, this is my time to show people I can do this. And I come back, come from a sports management field and departments in sports you have to be well-rounded in every different area because you never know when one department might call on you and say hey we need your help so it's just making me learn even more skills so i i'm so excited that i'm able to challenge myself in that and when i succeed even if i fail at it Mm -hmm. it's always a learning experience and i always tell people you, ha- you need to go through those failures because you learn something about yourself that you did not know you could you didn't know before. And I think people who are just given everything, they don't learn. That, that's just me because you don't see their reactions and stuff. And I think when they fail, they'll appreciate this person that they are and the stuff around them. Life is about the challenges. Yes. At each day, we're always rising to the challenge, no matter what. I even mean, if you don't even think you are, you are. Um, even if you're in the car, you're challenging yourself to get to that point A to point B. And I, we- I rose to the challenge of getting out of bed this morning. <laughs> that was an easy challenge for me because I was <laughs> like, I'm awake. Okay, let's go.
1: Yeah, normally I am. Normally I'm like geared up, ready to go. I'm like excited for the day. I don't know if it's because the Missouri weather is always terrible, basically this time of year. Because you asked about burnout, a lot of times December time of the year is like what leads me to burnout.
0: That is true. I, a lot of times you get to that new the first month and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Like you have that twenty twenty one bucket list, and then you go after the first month and you're like, I'm done. Like I, I, you didn't. You're not even on track. To accomplish anything, and I think that's also something with people, and they have to feel confident enough to be able to go for those goals that they want to appreciate or they want to go for. And if they're burnt out, like you said in December, it's like, okay, but you still got that month left. Yeah. You got to finish out strong. You can't just give a hundred percent effort for the first day and then you're like, no, I'm done.
1: One thing I often say is throw your New Year's resolution out the window. Because a lot of the time, those, most people fail at them. And mainly because they often forget the systems. They try to build a new habit, like going to the gym or something like that. And they fail to get their nutrition involved or fail to get the right clothing, which can help with the mentality or just go too heavy too quick. And they often just fail because they get okay, overwhelmed. They burn out from it. But if you start small and build it up and create the consistency of the habits that then build into the systems, then you're able to
0: be more successful at it. Yeah. So Dustin, what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years, personally and professionally?
1: Well, considering that my personal brand is my biggest goal and that's what's gonna build a foundation for all my careers, personally and professionally are kind of the same in this case. And I go home and I'll spend pretty much all my time. Literally before this call, I was working on my website. I had this issue with my navigation just not working. I had one iteration where the actual buttons were in the right place, but the drop-downs were jacked up. I had another iteration where the drop-downs were really good, but the buttons were completely out of place. So I was trying to figure out what can I do to fix that. And that's just a prime example of constant challenges and constant pain at the face. Because I can't get this website out until I fix that. Then I have to go work on this, then I have to go work on that. And so, my biggest thing is, I want to revamp what I'm creating and what my poly innovator is all about to make it easier for people to come in and check out what I'm doing and just get it straight into the content without having to figure out what is a polymath and that kind of thing. And the biggest thing, too, is that like I talk about phases where the first phase has been around self education, or actually, rather, this personal polyinnovation system that I created and which we can go into too if you want, but that kind of baseline is gonna lead into the next one, which is gonna talk about exercise, because that's my background, I might as well. You know that well, or if, you talk, if you've if learned all that, you might as well share it. And then the other thing is smart cities on the line, or perhaps making music, or perhaps making video games. That's a big interest of mine. I spent a lot of this weekend kind of slacking off, giving myself a, a free day to go play the new Zelda game that came out, and to relax, and just let myself have a day off, so to speak. And so I think that just keep evolving and keep tra- challenging myself to that next level.
0: Are you always looking to, as a personal brand, use the and every experience skill set and incorporate it in some way because someone can benefit from it? What do you mean? So a lot of times people will do like a project or their current positions and they kind of don't realize their skills from before can't help them nowadays but when you actually dig, dig down deep they're actually utilizing those skills so when you're talking about using like your exercise your swim instructing like or lifeguard coaching and all that stuff are you trying to utilize everything to make your personal brand even better
1: yeah And so that's one thing i was talking about how i didn't want to niche down because i have so much to offer i built my first computer when i was like 10 or 11. that's a knowledge that could help a lot of people and sure there's linus tech tips out there there's other great youtube channels that explain how to do it but i've had a knack for explaining things simply when i'm teaching maybe not so much when i'm being interviewed because i can kind of go on a tangent but (laughs) if i'm sitting there trying to teach something i can often talk about things and explain things well for people to understand like swimming and breaking things down so I thought, okay, well, I have something to offer the world. I can teach them about computers. I can teach them about exercise. I can teach them about gaming. I can do all kinds of stuff and share that knowledge with the world. And that's what I want to do. I want to be able to do all
0: those different topics if I can. For the final question I'll ask you, for someone that's listening to this interview, what tips or advice would you give them to accomplish their goals, overcome their challenges, and rise to the challenge?
1: Awesome. Actually, this leads into that personal poly innovation system that I mentioned earlier. I created that because I was already kind of doing it myself. And I realized that everything I was doing beforehand kind of came together in a unique way. And I wanted to share this with your audience too. The PPS goes for self-education, self-improvement, and self-development, which are not all the same thing. They all mean self-growth and personal growth, but they're not the same actions that you need to take. So I always think that you need to start with learning something new. Go, go learn about SEO, go learn about exercise, go learn that new skill that you're desperate to know and curious to know, and get that foundation for your growth. And then you have the self-improvement, the consistency of your habits and your systems in your life, like I mentioned earlier, those are very important. That's why most people fail at their New Year's resolution. they thought they forgot to handle the systems or establish those systems that can build the habits from that. And then the final aspect, is the self-development, the exponentiality of your growth. And I created the philosophy called the Four Pillars Philosophy back when I was writing on the ULC, where those four pillars are the four major aspects of life, the mind, the body, your spirit, and emotions. Each of these areas of your life are something you need to account for and take after, take care. And just obviously with sports knowledge and exercise knowledge here, we can definitely attribute like body pillar, and probably even mind, but a lot of people forget that your emotions are a very integral part of your life. People often don't understand spirituality. You don't have to be religious to be spiritual, I don't think. And I think that it's more of a balance between the conscious mind and subconscious mind, for example. And so having those three kind of tier system there allow you to improve your life dramatically because you can get the new skills, the new habits building upon those skills, and then applying them to your major aspects of your existence, basically. I know that's a lot of heavy loaded there, but that's what I
0: wanted to share. Well, Dustin, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about your Rise to the Challenge. We all have learned so much and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their Rise to the Challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to deploy that the video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.